When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, everybody. Eric Bischoff here. And have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co-host, John Alba. Every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight up business talk here. No fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and of course the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry... Well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now and listen at adfreeshows.com. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. <laughs> what a rip. No, yeah, but me. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shut him. You, Bruce. Ah, Second most recognizable athlete in the entire 
good night. Yeah. We're so big. Yeah. The best Welcome to WrestleMania. Pearl title man. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. We are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. Hello, this is Paul Bromwell, and welcome to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, how are you? Paul, it's early in the morning. That's how I am. It's very (laughs) early in the morning, but I am doing absolutely fantabulous. I got my... Hear that? I hear it. Okay, well, in a minute, I'm going to be full of energy. You and me both. I got my my Monster Ultra. I sound like I swallowed a frog, but uh, we're going to do this, man. I'm just so glad you're right. here. Wait you made it. Hang on. Wait. You, you swallowed a frog. <laughs> I sound what like color was that frog? Uh, we'll go ahead and say green. Okay, well, see, here's that, that, that's <sighs> the problem. Because not all frogs are green. Once upon a time, there was a yellow toad. Okay. And the yellow toad was hopping through the forest and came across Fairy Godmother. And when he came across Fairy Godmother, he said, Fairy Godmother, can you grant a wish for me? He said, of course, yellow toad, I can. He says, well, I would like to be green like all the other toads in the forest. Can you make me green? Fairy Godmother says, of course I can. Poof, you're green. And the toad was green all over except for one place, you know, down there. And he says, but fairy godmother, I want to be green all over like all the other toads in the forest. He says, well, for that, you have to go see the wizard. He says, where's the wizard? He says, we just follow uh, this path right here. So the toad hops off to go see the wizard. Before you know it, here comes a pink bunny hopping down the in the forest, comes across fairy godmother. He says, fairy godmother, can you help grant a wish for me? He says, of course I can, pink bunny. What would you like? He says, well, I'd like to be white like all the other bunnies in the forest. Fairy Godmother says, poof, you're white. Makes the pink bunny pink all, I mean, white all over except for one place. You know where, down there. And she says, well, Fairy Godmother, I want to be white all over like all the other bunnies in the forest. What do I have to do? She says, well, for that, you have to see the wizard. He says, well, how do I find the wizard? Says, we'll just follow the yellow dick toad. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, it's so funny. So funny you mentioned that because I just watched Wizard of Oz with my young son about a week ago. So there you go. Very I bet apropos. that wasn't in it. No, that one wasn't in it. The munchkins, none of that. They weren't talking about any of that stuff. But Bruce, I'm glad to be with you, man, this week and and pin you down. I know you're so busy and talk about something to wrestle with. It's your schedule, pal. My goodness, it's it's pretty crazy, but we're going to get a new one in the can, and I'm excited. Conrad's obviously not here, but I'm looking forward to where else Conrad? Uh, I believe he's in Tampa. I think this he's with guy, This guy just takes more vacations and more time off <laughs> and never does anything. It's you know, like, where are you, Conrad? Well, I'm at my mansion on the beach. Where are you, Conrad? Well, I'm at my ma- mansion on the lake. Where are you, Conrad? I'm on my mansion in the mountain. He's got more staff, more cars, more mansions, more beaches, more lakes than anybody I know. Here's the deal. He said, Paul, I'm exhausted. I said, well, what are you exhausted from, Conrad? He said, this whole first quarter of the year has been absolutely exhausting. I said, well, what do you mean? What's going on? 
He said, I've been chasing this podcaster left and right each week. I can't find him. He's never available. All I want to do is create new shows, but I can never find him. I'm just so exhausted. I need a break. Paul, I need a break. I need to refresh. Maybe I'll have better luck if I go take this break at the beach. Who knows? But I'm going to tag you in and see if you have better luck. And I'm going to go refresh, recharge. And when I come back, maybe I'll have better luck chasing this podcaster down. So, Bruce, that's that's all I know. So, I, I you know, that's all well, I know. Well, good luck on that. I hope. Yeah, I don't he, know who uh, that guy is, but. I, well, I know he hadn't chased me down. He never returns any of my phone calls. Oh, is that the story? Okay. Yeah. Well, the truth comes out. Constantly right. trying to get him to do a show. And it's like, oh, I'm too busy doing <laughs> other things. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't know what those other things could possibly oh, be it. that could be more important than this. Uh, good stuff. Well, you're Ever. here. I'm here. Let's do it. This week, we're talking about Randy Orton's 2002 to 2004. And this is apropos, man. We listen, big 20th anniversary recently for Randy Orton. How special was it to see and celebrate that? And uh, just all the social media attention, John Cena and others coming out and talking about Randy and his impact. Uh, pretty special, uh, what he's done, what he's been able to do for the WWE. It's incredible to have a, a two year career, much year, much less a 20 year career. So kudos to Randy and not, you know, people look at it and say, well, he's been in the business a long time. It's 20 years of being one of the top performers ever in our industry. And uh, Randy has accomplished that. I think that he's got more time left and will continue to accomplish great things. Well, this uh, this week, we're going to dial in on the first two years of his time with WWE, 2002 through 2004. Uh, the impact that Randy had on the company as part of the young roster that came up from OVW all the way to being the youngest world champion in WWE history at the time. And uh, so let's start with it. It starts in 2002. Uh, he's on the road with the WWF at the time to start uh, working house shows, dark matches at TV tapings. He's taking on the likes of Sean Stasiak, Brock Lesnar, show Finaki, and even Mr. Perfect. What was it about Randy at this time that told everyone he was ready for prime time? Or do you think he was uh, Bruce? Well, I think that you have to really go back to the beginning and two years. And, and the reason that I say that is because I, I did, and I don't talk about current things right now, but I did congratulate Randy recently on his huge accomplishment. And he says, Bruce, yeah, it was 20 years ago since I came up to the main roster, but it was 22 years ago that, I started in OVW and I started training and I just started on this journey and I started to laugh and he says, yeah, I know it's 22 years ago that uh, I got the call from his father and it was Bob Orton Jr. who called me one day and asked if we would be interested in taking a look at his son and helping his son out. He, Randy was 19 years old at the time, I believe. And Bob kind of chuckled and says, you know, oh, don't don't judge him on me. He's a he's a good kid. He's going to be all right. He's not, not a fuck up like his old man. <laughs> and I said, Bob, I never thought you were a fuck up because I used to enjoy, you know, having a cold adult beverage with Bob from time to time on the road. And 
I, you know, you have to judge everybody for themselves. Again, I will give that piece of advice to everybody in any walk of life. Judge people for yourself and how they treat you and how they are with you versus what you hear about them and what you read about them that may not be 100% accurate. Um, so it was 22 years ago that Randy started and embarked in this training journey and the first time that Randy got into the ring, you, you saw you saw a star. You saw someone that belonged and was comfortable immediately in the ring. And that's not always often the case. So 22 years ago, man, it was uh, looking into the future and saying, this guy is, is going to be a star. This guy is going to be special. And seeing Randy when he finally got to the main roster and walked out on television, there's a poise, there's a confidence that you can't teach. Like you can't teach someone how to be seven feet tall. You can't teach someone how to be poised and how to own it. And Randy walked out owning wherever he was. Well, the uh, the thing that really opened it up for Randy and many others at this point would be the draft and the brand extension, Bruce. And it allowed to free up the roster space for Randy and many other young guns uh, to come up from OVW, uh, am I right? The idea was to introduce new talent, to be able to take the existing talent that we had, split it up, and have two different brands. We're on SmackDown, but it was an opportunity for talent that we felt was ready to come up and some that weren't necessarily ready to come up and get them active on the roster. And it was a perfect timing for Randy and Cena and Batista and, and others. Yeah. You mentioned Cena, Batista, uh, yeah, Brock Lesnar. And so these guys are starting to come up. How, what does the decision-making process look like in terms of say a Randy Orton or a Brock Lesnar? Hey, I want this guy. Let's try him on raw. Let's try this one on SmackDown. Uh, do you remember what that was like as far as talking about bringing up these rookies and deciding where they're going to go at the time? More than anything, it was who's there, who's available, and and what stage of training are they in. The, the reaction to pretty much every guy, whenever you bring them up, most times is they're not ready. They, they're too young. They're not ready. They They... They don't have it or whatever. You're never going to know. You're never going to know. They could be too young. You're right. They they may not be ready at the time. But when are they going to be ready? And the only way to get ready to be on the main roster is to be on the main roster and try them out and learn on the job. Yeah, and it's a little different back then because OVW wasn't like NXT is today. There's not national television trial for gimmicks, etc. And uh, do you think that hindered Orton or the other talent at all back then? No, actually, I think it was an advantage not being on national television and having everyone see you. This way, the national audience, first time they saw you was when you came to Raw or SmackDown, and you had an opportunity to make a true first impression on the big stage. You know, that's good or bad, however you want to look at it. But the first time that the national audience saw them would be on on Raw SmackDown. And that is scary and it's challenging, but at the same time, it's 
a way to make a big bang. Speaking of a way to make a big bang, don't be hindered like the talent was when it comes to not being able to be on national TV because you don't want to be hindered in the bedroom. You need blue chew in your life. And it's time to dig yourself out of that winter hibernation because spring is sprung and it's time to be sprung with blue chew. That's right. This episode is sponsored by blue chew guys. Confidence can take you far in life. It can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes to step up to the plate. That's where blue chew comes in. Isn't that right, Bruce? you damn right. And just like that yellow dick toad that we were talking about earlier that Paul swallowed. If only he had taken some blue chew, by God, he would have had no problem because everybody would have known the path to the yellow dick toad. Finally, it found it into Paul's mouth and he swallowed it. And that's why he's raspy voice today. That's what you said. I did say it, and I'll never live it down. Listen, Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. You sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, You'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. That's right. No weird interactions with the mailman or mail lady. So make sure that you sync up with Blue Chew today. If you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code WRESTLE to receive your first month free. Wait a minute, Blue- a whole free first month? All they got to do is use our promo code WRESTLE. That's it. That's the magic key, WRESTLE. I like that. Remember that. Promo code wrestle and you get one month free. I love it. And five dollars shipping, shipping, five dollars shipping or shipping. shipping is cheap. Shipping or shipping, it's amazing. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Well, Bruce, the story has always been that Sean Waltman was the litmus test for talent coming into the company and if they had it or didn't have it. And in this era, as we get closer to his TV debut, Randy's working with Christian, Waltman, Lance Storm. Were they the litmus test at this time? You know, this litmus test has been, uh, that's just kind of urban myth. Were they great talents to put talent in the ring with? and have matches absolutely but you know they were judged by others and looked at and um you want time to take your pills that's my line right here 
No, that's not your damn. You don't have any lines here. Oh, okay. <laughs> what the hell? See, okay, that that is that not good? See, that was an alarm, folks. Yes, it really and truly that was an alarm. Uh, that was an alarm to wake up. But man, we've been up. This is what our, our third or fourth show that we've already recorded. We've been up for hours. As long as they're not calling you into the office and we can. So truth, <laughs> so truth, I'm going to do the truth bomb. I don't need somebody in Congress or anybody else to tell me what the truth is or not. Cause I'm telling you the truth right now. They need to go and they need to go and examine uh, the dirt sheets out in California. If they want to like stop lies and bullshit from being spread, there's a place that they can start right there. If they want a truth commission with Nancy Pelosi and everybody, good Lord. Don't even get me started. I'm not going to go down that political rabbit hole. However, I do have a good place if the Truth Commission wants to start looking into truths, and it's down there. But the truth is that I was going to get – see, I I did have an alarm set, and I was getting up to do this damn thing. And uh, it's only because I didn't have a a show last night, and I didn't get in at 3 o'clock in the morning. And – I, I didn't even say Meltzer said yet, and 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 you're already off and running. I didn't even yeah, say his name. Hopefully, people are investigating his truths yeah. and or untruths. <sighs> okay. Well, listen. That, all that from a from an alarm. You're welcome. All that. But that that's good. Well, listen. Let's get here. We're here, uh, Bruce. Or where? I know. He, I'm here. You're there. And we're here with Randy Orton. His debut. It takes place on SmackDown, April twenty fifth. Wow. And Orton gets the win over Hardcore Holly in just under three minutes. But the first part of this is Orton is backstage with Vince McMahon and Stacey Keebler. Positioning Randy with them was on purpose, wasn't it? I would hope so. Nice rub Randy's yeah, the future. Yeah. You, you, you look at just one look at him, the youth and the, the size and that look. You look Good like looks. a movie star. Yep. Of course. Yeah. Holly has a reputation of being stiff with rookies. Uh, you know, even though Orton's a third generation wrestler, was was Orton different or or what? You know, Bob Holly was a, a tough guy, and Bob was very tight in the way that Bob was in the ring, and you couldn't see through anything that Bob did. And I think that while Bob had a reputation for being overly stiff, if you want to say that. I think Bob was just tight, and I don't know of anybody, um, you know, a couple of examples that Bob ever hurt in the ring. Um, so he was good with Bob. I want to talk a little bit, Bruce, about The Undertaker here. Uh, Orton's a white meat baby face his first couple months in SmackDown. He even gets The Undertaker on a SmackDown episode when he's world champion and takes the loss in just over five minutes. But do you remember uh, Undertaker saying anything about Orton at this time, his his uh, first uh, you know couple of weeks here in, in uh, SmackDown, on SmackDown? Yeah, it's interesting when you look back and there are some talent that, immediately click with the rest of the locker room. They click with the audience. And I believe Randy Orton was one of those talents because here was a guy that had been training for two years, but could get in the ring and hang with main inventors and hang with guys that had been in the business for 10, 20 years at the time. So being in the ring with the undertaker, holding his own, going move for move and being able to have those matches flawlessly 
is an art form. And I thought Randy did a tremendous job with Undertaker. And kind of in that moment, you you saw the future. You saw, okay, I'm, I think I may see this for a while. Yeah. That's true. How much, you know, magic they would continue to make together through these, through the years of Orton and Undertaker uh, just clicked. Uh, Orton begins to lose tag matches to Devon and the now debuted Deacon Batista with various partners. And Orton begins a slow heel turn, blaming his partners for the losses. Bruce, did you think at this time Orton was definitely more of a natural heel? Could you see that already? Huh. Well, if you knew Randy, you would uh, understand why he was a natural heel. <laughs> Uh, Randy would look, Randy was young. Randy was cocky. Randy was sure of himself. Randy's a natural smart ass. And he had more heel tendencies than he did babyface tendencies. I think that you look at Randy and again, he does look like a movie star, especially when he was young. It was, it was natural. You wanted to like him. But he came across kind of snarky and came across with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And from that point of view, it was easy to hate him uh, with his public persona. Let's get let's I want to ask a little bit more about that. And, you know, he came a little snarky, a little chip on his shoulder. Was he a little bit tough to, to work with at this point coming in these first few weeks already? Were you guys starting to talk amongst yourselves saying, I like him. He's good. He's talented. He's not going to get very far with this little attitude, this little chip on his shoulder, if, if this, this is how he's going to carry himself. Well, but Randy did not have that chip on his shoulder backstage, uh, at least to me. I think that Randy was confident. Randy wanted to learn. But Randy, from day one to day now, 22 years in the business, has always you know, been open and worked with people the persona in front of the camera, sometimes you just can't hide the cockiness and the television audience doesn't have the opportunity to meet the true human being behind the persona and the talent. And Randy just came across that way. I don't think Randy is that way at all. I think Randy is, is quick witted. And, uh, again, as I said, a bit of a smart ass, but so am I. So it's, what you put in front of the camera sometimes that the audience is going to judge you on. And Randy was just kind of came off as, as young and cocky and, and knew what the hell he was doing. And the audience kind of, yeah, we don't like you. Yeah. So go with it. And, but you know, you can appreciate a guy like that, Bruce, seeing similar character traits in Randy that you see in yourself, as you said there. So there you go. Yes, because I'm I'm behind the scenes. I'm just lovely, cheerful, wonderful. <laughs> just a big old teddy to get along with. Yeah. Don't make me. Don't make me. By God. I I so help me. There will be hell to pay. Uh, well, listen. Orton gets hurt working Batista at a house show with a bad concussion. When he takes a bump off a clothesline that knocked him out, and he had to be stretchered out. Uh, stretchered out here, Bruce. Is this concerning or just happened? Sometimes I'm sure it's got to be a little concerning. He's he's young. He's getting stretchered out here. Well, again, it happens sometimes. It ain't ballet. So when you're in the ring and you're in the ring, it was kind of green on green with Batista and Orton at the time. Things are going to happen. 
So it's it's part of the business. Well, we talked about it early with Brock Lesnar coming in, and Brock would beat Orton in early September, and you can see the difference between the two. Is Brock is already champion? What were the differences in Brock and Randy uh, at this time in, in your mind? Well, I think that when you looked at Brock, Brock had the pedigree of a NCAA champion, of a amateur wrestler, and just a beast like persona in general. And Randy was that wrestler's wrestler, the pedigree of his father and his grandfather. And for Randy, it it just was almost like Randy was do this, you know, Randy's coming up and because of his last name and because of what, you know, his family has done in the business that Randy gets this Brock I think people looked at Brock made his own way. Um, But again, when you looked at both of those guys, I think that people saw, holy cow, man, this is, we had a good future. I think we were feeling pretty good about the future at that point. Yeah, no doubt about it. You had to be looking at them like these are two blue chippers that are going to be the future of our company for years to come. And they, I think they did all right. Yeah. Because, see, I can see backwards. That's called 2020 vision. When you look back and see, like, my glasses, well, I got my glasses on. I got, I think I got 2020 up here. I think I got 3024 here. And then down here is like 1976. But uh, <laughs> it's just kind of, that's how it works. Because there's trifocals. I got trifocals right. on. And these those progressive things that go up and down. And if you ain't careful, you will fall down the stairs. Just saying. Ah, this is so good. Well, listen, Orton's traded to Raw in September of 2002, and he defeats Stevie Richards in his Raw debut. And uh, it's it's quick already. He's gone from SmackDown to Raw. That's that's a kind of a quick transition. But those things happen, you know, as we talk about back in those days uh, with the way everything was laid out. Orton gets back-to-back wins over Lance Storm and Christian on an episode of Raw, but he suffers a shoulder separation which is something that will plague him for years to come, Bruce. And right around this time, there's talk of a horseman-like stable being formed. But talk about this injury. Did it make you, uh, did anyone, were they questioning Orton for this spot at all? Or or what was the dialogue about that? No, uh, you know, it's, again, things happen. Um, anytime that someone gets hurt and an injury like that happens, you you have to, file it in the back of your head and then you start asking yourself questions is especially the next time that they get injured are they injury prone is this something that's going to be a recurring situation that we have to take note of and with randy yeah so the shoulder surgery and the shoulder injury was something that would plague him the rest of his career but we didn't know that at that time and just thought okay he's he's up here man and we're going a little harder Injuries are going to happen. And this is an example of where you guys made chicken salad your favorite out of chicken shit because this was the opportunity where such a fun gimmick was created, the RNN segments, where he gave fans updates about his injury status. And this uh, whole idea was born. This is some good shit, Bruce. Who came up with this whole concept? Yeah, I don't remember who came up with the idea, but it was, I thought it was gold. And it was a a way to keep that character 
that we had just introduced, brand new, young. Look, he's not going to go away, but let's give updates on his condition. Let's keep him on television where everything is centered around him. And while you go to RNN, you know, it was designed to be, can Randy talk about everything else that's going on? But he just talks about himself. And he just gives you an update. And, and this week I did, you know, 14 shoulder shrugs, by God. And uh, <laughs> just different things like that that gave people the the tone of yeah. what this character is that we didn't necessarily get to do prior to his debut. So creative, so fun, kept us engaged, so showed uh, his creativity uh, his side as well. And uh, while he's recovering, the plan is also put in the motion for evolution to happen. And on January 20th, Scott Steiner's taking on Batista when Randy Orton returns and attacks Steiner. And later, Ric Flair, the nature boy, and Triple H join in the attack and evolution is formed Talk about Randy and Batista, Bruce. Do you think they were ready uh, for all this and the big evolution rub and push? Again, I don't think they were ready, but at the same time, I felt that the best place for them to be would be surrounded by veterans like Ric Flair and Triple H, who could help them on a nightly basis by being in their corner, by teaming with them. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I used to look at it and say you had the history of the business in Ric Flair. You had the now with Triple H. You had the future with Randy Orton. And you had the superstar in Dave Batista that was was to be. You know, it was like, um, it was an incredible group. And it wasn't always supposed to be that. You know, initially for about, Maybe one week they, they shot vignettes that included Mark Jindrak in place of Randy Orton that didn't work out. I don't know if Jindrak just didn't necessarily click with the other three guys, but uh, they all felt that Randy would click, and Randy immediately slid into that role, and it was it was a good combination. All four guys liked one another. All four guys clicked together, and there was a good gel. And Randy and Batista were sponges for everything that Rick and Triple H were teaching them. What are Triple H and Rick saying to each other, saying to you, any feedback they're giving about Randy during this time and having them a part of the group? Are they all in? Yep, we love love these two. Randy's going to be great. We're here to... 100%. Yeah. Uh, Because Randy was great. And Randy was uh, instantly able to keep up and Randy was instantly able to go out there and be that youth, you know, send the kid in, let the kid take the bumps. Um, but Randy was that guy. Randy was willing to go in and do that and learn that night after night after night. And Randy's training was different than Batista's because Batista was a big guy. They were teaching Dave how to work like that monster that Dave was. So it was, Different styles, different personalities, and everybody was high on Randy Orton at that time. And I'm sure, too, some of you are thinking, wow, one day, can you imagine, even when this faction is over, now Hunter has Batista, Hunter has Randy as guys that he can work with in major main events and pay-per-views down the road. So uh, there's all kinds of opportunity and, and creative plans to be in place for not only in the now, but down the road. 
I'm sure Triple H is is also excited to see some some younger guys start to take that next step and and kind of be available and around uh, to feed him and work with him uh, down the road as well. So good stuff all around. It was, and it was an opportunity again for them to grow and for them to get their personalities out there and be. It was a safe haven. It was it was really a safe haven for Randy and for Dave Batista both to be able to be a part of that group. Well, Randy uh, makes his return to the ring, finally teaming with Batista, and he's managed by Ric Flair in a losing effort on Raw to Scott Steiner and Booker T. Having Flair at ringside while these two are in a tag team has to be some of the best ways to learn uh, during this era, right, Bruce? Well, I don't know. They lost, man. So I don't know how Flair, <laughs> how good Flair was. Well, they lost that match, but just yeah. having the, him there and his influence and and really just coaching the guys along, you, you're not going to get too much better than the Nature Boy. I think that Rick was absolutely tremendous as far as slowing slowing them down and telling them what to do next, and just getting them to feel the audience, which is an art in a, in and of itself. Let's get into something I want to talk a little bit more about, and that's Shawn Michaels. Because of bad blood in June of 03, Orton helps Flair gain a victory over Shawn. Was Shawn at this point saying, hey, guys, let's find some opportunities. I want to work with this with this young kid. I want to get my hands on Randy. Uh, what do you remember uh, of Shawn and working with Randy Orton then? Well, it was an opportunity to, for Randy to learn. It was an opportunity to put Randy and see if Randy could hang on a nightly basis was one of the best in the world. And Sean definitely was one of the best in the world. So put him in the ring and let's find out if, if he can hang there. And Sean's going to push you and Sean's going to let you know whether or not you've got it or not. And I think that Randy impressed everybody, not just Sean, but everybody that was involved that, all right, Randy can go. Well, this is uh, speaking of Randy can go. This is a big moment here because in uh, a raw, he debuts uh, against Maven when he defeats him, the RKO, uh, one of the most famous finishers now in all of WWE history. Where did the idea come from, Bruce, to use this as a finisher? Was this on Randy on his own trying to find something? Did you guys help him with it? Talk about the, the discovery of the RKO. Yeah, that, that'll never work. Uh, I don't think people remember that. You know. Ah, yeah, that move um, that moves terrible. I think, you know, going back, I think it was actually Michael Hayes, and I could be wrong. Nice. If I am, trust me, Michael Hayes will tell me. Um, but I, I thought it was Michael Hayes who kind of helped come up with the RKO because it could be hit out of anywhere, and you could do it on anyone. So it's it's a perfect type of maneuver to be your, your finishing maneuver. And Randy did it well. And as the years went on, evolved different ways to go into it, which is special. It is. And it's taken over social media. It's, it's, it's just one of those moves. It's captivating when it's hit out of nowhere. It's just, it's become its own thing. And, uh, so it's uh, pretty cool to hear Michael Hayes. I don't think he's going to be mad at you, even if he wasn't the one, because who wouldn't want credit for coming up with the RKO? So. I didn't come up with it. Billy Joe Bob Jim did. <laughs> I was his main event in the Superdome when I was two and one half years old. I told my mom, Mama, get me there. Bill Watts got to have me there an hour before show or else I'm going to get fired. And then I'm going to whoop your ass, bitch. Look. 
Uh, or Tough is, main event when you're only two and a half years old. I still breastfeed. I still I, feed on breasts. I gave my mama's titty an RKO. That's where I came up with it. I'm there. All right. Well, Orton is really, if you think about it, in the role of Arn Anderson in evolution. He's running interference for the world champ and he's being a solid worker underneath. But you got to think that uh, his ceiling wasn't, you know, that ceiling that I guess maybe Arn was in the Four Horsemen. The sky was the limit for this kid at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't consider him being the Arn Anderson of, of anything. I think that, that Randy had a great deal of talent that people saw Randy as the top performer and the guy that would be a breakout star. I don't know that there was anybody that was secondary in this group. This group consisted of all top guys that could be in any role and be able to run with the company uh, on top at any point in time. We're about to have some fun here. Business is about to pick up, as they say, because Mick Foley, he returns. Uh, he's on Raw. It's uh, Madison Square Garden, late June, and uh, he's used really here to heat up Orton. And Orton attacks Foley, throws him down a flight of stairs. Where does this idea come from to use Foley to get Orton to the next level? You know, it, part of it was Mick's desire to work with Orton, and Mick always would kind of sit back and look at different guys that he felt he could really help get over and that he felt he would have good chemistry with. And Mick looking at it would look at Randy and say, I could do some fun things with Randy and be able to uh, have a long-term story and give it a, a little more meat on the bone, if you will. So, you know, Anytime that, that Mick would do that, he did it with Randy, did it with Edge. Is uh, It's a chance to be under that learning tree as well and to do something different that, that's a different style and just a different uh, art form. I'm sure Randy had to be excited with an opportunity to work with Mick. I think so, yeah. I think that you know it's a great opportunity for him. And he gets a, a really nice rub here in July. It's a six-man elimination match between Evolution, all the Dudleys, Orton pins, and eliminates every single Dudley. Is this a sign that not only the office is going to give him a program uh, with Foley, but here he's being the whole team himself that everyone is all in on Randy Orton at this point? We were. We were in on the youth, and we were in on the, you know, just the future. And there comes a point sometimes where you look at everything and you just say, man, what's new? What, what do I have that's new that we can put out there? And Randy was new and Randy was fresh. So any opportunity to do that and any opportunity to have a nice brand new young talent at the top is a good thing. Well, guys, listen, if you're wondering, I wonder when the first pay-per-view was that Randy Orton made his debut. It's SummerSlam 2003. It's the first time he would be on a WWE pay-per-view, his debut, and he's a part of the main event in the Elimination Chamber world title match. It's kind of crazy, Bruce, to think about. He's been wrestling now here for about 18 months, and this is his debut, SummerSlam 2003. Well, it happens. Wow. 
It actually um, happens. We just saw there. So, but you know what? I mean, again, Randy deserved it. And Randy, Randy was a guy that the audience accepted immediately in that position, whether it was because of his association with Flair and Hunter, or it was just Randy's own ability. I think that uh, the audience liked Randy and felt that he fit. Well, you got it. And plus, you also had the brand split. So you had separate pay-per-views and things like that. But still, just incredible to think about how long he was there. But he's here. He's made it. He's on pay-per-view. He ends up lasting 13 minutes in the chamber before being eliminated by, that's right, Goldberg. In a match, Triple H will end up retaining his title. And at this point, though, after this match, Bruce, Orton proved he was ready to be in the main event scene. Did he not? Yeah, some guys will stumble and some guys will, you know, not fit. Randy absolutely fit. and Randy was able to step into that role and look like he belonged. And the reason he looked like he belonged is because he did belong. Well, he would transition from that into the legend killer gimmick. Talk to us, Bruce, who came up with uh, the whole legend killer idea and feeding him all these legends. Well, when you look around and looked at some of the talent that we had available to us and you looked at Randy and the the youth, if you want to make a name for yourself and you're a young kid, you you shoot from the top of the mountain and you go for those legends, you knock them off. And this was an opportunity to do it. it. It just kind of fell into it. And we thought that Randy's the perfect guy to do it because Randy had chemistry with everybody and Randy was able to Randy was able to adapt his style to whoever he was in the ring with. And again, that's a beautiful art form that made Randy stand out. So you knew that if you put Randy in the ring with a Hulk Hogan or you know, if Randy Savage were still around and things like that, then Randy would have been great. But you could have put Randy in the ring with anybody and he would have made it work. Well, you guys certainly did that too, because the first legend you decided to have a Mark KO was none other than the fabulous freaking Moolah. Holy shit, Bruce, 80 year old Moolah? He RKO'd her. Let's start with the fabulous Moolah. Let's have him RKO her. What better legend? What what tougher legend? <laughs> you know, you would think that Moolah would wipe the floor with him, especially when she was only 80 years old. You know, she was still in her prime. And it was uh, absolutely it. great. You know, hey, different time, man. Good Lord. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine uh, doing some of the things that we no did way. with Moolah yeah. and Mae Young today, but Moolah was a willing participant and absolutely loved it. But yeah, when you look at legends and you look at tough, somebody that could hold their own and that you would believe could kick Randy's ass, I, I would say Moolah. <laughs> that would, she'd be number one on your list. You Actually, she would be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so well done though. It gets him over as a hated heel right away. Were there any legends that you wanted to use that you didn't get to? Let's talk about that. Um, I don't know. I, I think that I think we got to a lot of them is, is the funny part. But uh, 
I don't, I don't really know. I, I think that if you went back and, and looked in time, like I said, you know, if Randy Savage had still been working and been there, that would have been great. Um, but anybody that came, I would have liked to have had Randy beat his dad and be able to work with his dad and, and beat that legend. So I think that could have been cool. Well, having said that, Bruce, what uh, are there legends now that you think of that, man, I wish we could have had Randy Orton just beat the shit out of, out of just for some fun or, you know, if we could go back and do it all over again. Yeah, not any that we that, that we didn't actually get to do, I think, in, in a lot of respects. Uh, Honky Tonk Man, we may have missed. I think Honky could have been an awful lot of fun. You know, greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Um. Tito Santana, maybe, but it just, uh, Arriba. yeah, just yeah. depends. Oh, that's good. Bruno, Bruno would have been good. Bruno, just have him take an RKO. Yeah. yeah. Pedro Morales, all of them. Just have to go down the list of, of every one of them. Superstar come out with his broken hip and take one and shit. Would have been great. Hobble down to the ring. Uh, RKO. You can fall down. It's not that hard to fall down. I do it every day. Ah, so good. Well, by the way, if you want to go to sleep like Mula did after the RKO, you can do it too. And you know how? With Chili Sleep. Chili Sleep makes customizable, climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and Cube Sleep Systems hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep. Whether you sleep hot or cold, these sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. Imagine. Waking up and not feeling tired, Bruce. Chili sleep can help make that happen, buddy. Well, absolutely. And especially if you're, you know, you had a hard day and you swallowed yellow dick toe and you were just starting to maybe feel a little feverish and and warm all over. And you just wanted to cool off because a cool bed is a good bed. And chili sleep will help you achieve the right temperature so that you can sleep, fall asleep fast, and stay asleep. Uh, and you know what, Bruce? Not only do they have the mattress pads, they also make the chili blanket, the only weighted blanket that can help uh, you have that controlled chili sleep for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. I'm talking sweat-free, brother. I'm a hot sleeper, and what I mean by that is I can't handle a ton of blankets. I my wife, that. my wife calls me a toaster oven, but not anymore. No, sir, not with chili. Once my body hits the bed, it's like taking that RKO out of nowhere. I might as well be the victim of a last man standing match because I'm out, Bruce. I'm out. Well, your wife calls me hot, but not a sleeper. Um, just saying, but chili sleep is going to help you cool off. That's the beautiful <laughs> thing about it. Whether Three. it's a blanket. Or a mattress pad. There you go. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash wrestle to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of any new cube or Euler sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard listeners. And for a limited time, that's chili, C-H-I-L-I sleep.com slash wrestle to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day.
Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Well, Bruce, Oregon gets a win over Shawn Michaels at Unforgiven in 2003 and in about 19 minutes with a dusty finish. When Flair puts Orton's leg on the rope and Earl Hebner restarts the match and Orton gets a foreign object to hit Sean with it to get the win. Win over Shawn Michaels on pay-per-view is such a rare thing. We all know that. I guess Sean was good with putting Randy over here at this point. I don't know why anyone would call that a dusty finish. That's uh, not what the dusty finish uh, is, but it was a hell of a match and, an opportunity for Randy to, to be in that top spot and work with top guys. And as I remember, you go back and you look at Sean and, and that was one of those things, man, Sean made Randy shine. And again, so many of these, you look at the, the unselfishness of, of Sean, of Mick Foley and the guys that were working with Randy that were able to just take this, this piece of coal, this lump of coal that you knew had a diamond in it and just shine it up and continue to shine it up. And that contributed to where we are today with, uh, with where Randy is. And to your point, it speaks to guys like Shawn Michaels that were willing to work with the youth, the Batistas, the Randy Orton's to help prepare them for the future. And so, uh, you know, when I asked you, you know, was Sean okay with putting Randy over here? Well, absolutely. It seemed like Sean was all in with these guys and helping to develop them. And I think that's cool. It's it's good to see that. Uh, that's that's the, the big difference when Sean came back for the second time, second half of his career. Well, Sean, I think, was always willing. And Sean was a great teacher and hell of a talent. Well, Survivor Series, Orton gets an opportunity to work an angle with Mark Cuban. That's right. The Dallas Mavericks owner where the show was, and he hits him with an RKO because why not? He's hitting everybody with the RKO. Talk about putting something together like this with the billionaire. How does it all come together, Bruce? Well, it's easy. You're in his building in Dallas. He's walking down the hall. He and he goes, hey, Mark, attention. how you doing? Yeah. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, would you like to get RKO'd tonight? Hey, sure. Okay. All right, cool, man. I'll see you later on and uh, <laughs> go on with Randy and do it. I mean, you know, you laugh, but sometimes that's that how it happens. It, yeah. It's, hey, Mark, you can be there. You want to do something? Cool. Um, what about this? All right, great. Uh, Cuban yeah. was awesome to work with. Pretty easy mark cuban's kind of guy that will give you his phone number and you can text him any time of night and and not have talked to him for years text him and he'll get right back to you so uh kudos to mark cuban i'm a big fan and i think he's a brilliant brilliant guy but he was super easy to work with and then to your point, he comes off that way. So I can imagine, you, you know, everything that you just shared there, you can absolutely see that as a fan too. So it makes total sense. Uh, we got later on Orton's on team Bischoff in a winning effort over team Austin as Orton pins Michaels with help from a Batista bomb to get the victory for Bischoff, getting rid of Austin as raw GM. That time. 
Was it a battle on creative between those who wanted Batista to be the number two guy in evolution compared to Orton? I, I don't know if there was a number one, two, three, four guy in evolution. That was the beauty of evolution was that every one of those guys were top guys. Every one of those guys could main event any card, uh, any night, anywhere in the world. And that's not a cliche. That was the beauty of evolution. There was no number one, number two, number three, or number four. All guys were equal. Well, uh, Bruce, we talked about a lot of legends. We would have loved to see in the RKO. One of them that does get it here is Sergeant Slaughter on an episode of Raw. Sarge takes a uh, an RKO. It was always Slaughter bring, being brought back to lose to someone on their way up in this era. Was it just because he was in the best shape of all the agents? Because he deserved it the most, by God. It just, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that Sarge, Sarge was a mega star. Sarge yeah. was a, a huge legend, not just in the WWE and the wrestling genre, if you will, but Sarge was G.I. Joe, for God's sakes. So what better than you know, beat Sergeant Slaughter in WWE? You RKO G.I. Joe. Put his ass through the mat. That's a beautiful thing. Doesn't get much more heel than that. By the way, I just saw that Sarge just re-up with Hasbro again. So there you go. Are you G.I. Joe lovers? So that's very cool. Quick shout out to Sergeant Slaughter. Well, Mick Foley returns to the WWE in December and counts the pin in a six-man tag match on Orton with RVD hitting the five-star frog splash. Foley looks in better shape, and you can see that the grooming of Mick and Orton together is taking place. Is the thought already here that maybe a singles match at the Rumble or WrestleMania was in the works, or was the plan to always for rock and sock against Evolution at Mania 20? Well, the plan was always to get to rock and sock, so that that always was the plan. But uh, Mick Foley in shape? Hmm. What does that even look like? Yeah, you tell me. <laughs> well, speaking of planning ahead, Bruce, we all need to make sure we're planning ahead, and we can do that with Goliath Life. It's time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about, and that's protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for GoliathLife.com, but to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You're going to need life insurance because we're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit GoliathLife.com, and I mean right now. Listen, I've lost two friends in their 40s in the last year and a half, and I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it. Protect your family. And I suggest you go to GoliathLife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance super easy. GoliathLife.com streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers within minutes, and you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. GoliathLife.com makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. 
Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at Goliathlife.com. Bruce Orton wins the Intercontinental title from Rob Van Dam at Armageddon on the same night. Flair and Batista win the tag team titles and Hunter wins the world title giving evolution all the belts, all the major title belts. It's always been said. I know. They hold up your pants. As soon as I said it, I knew it was coming. Thanks, thanks, Miz. It's always been said Vince doesn't like to use anyone's ideas from outside of the company, but this just screams horsemen, does it not? No. No? Not at all? No. Okay. That was a horseman. No, don't do this. Don't do it. That's blasphemy. That's wrestling blasphemy. Come on. Please. In (laughs) Georgia. Again, you know, if you don't come from that small little section in the South, a lot of people had no idea what the hell a horse was. That's not true. I got him up here outside of Philadelphia, Northeast. Oh, please. Philadelphia is not the Northeast. That's Baltimore. I mean, what is it? Mid-Atlantic? Baltimore? Philadelphia, they consider that Northeast. Yeah, California had no idea. Texas oh. had no idea. Chicago had no idea. Chicago, UIC Pavilion, no. they wrestled no. there. Memphis had no idea. Great Western Forum. Memphis had there. no idea. No. Regardless, they had all the belts. The next night on Raw, Foley versus Orton is scheduled as the main event. If Foley wins, Bischoff is fired. And if he loses, he's fired. Well, Foley just rolls out of the ring and walks away from the ring. And it's counted out and it's fired. This is one of those angles that doesn't end the show on a high note, but it's a major creative play. Did you think this was going to work? Well, you know, we definitely hoped it would. <laughs> I mean, goddamn, it was like, well, you, you wasted all this television time and invested all this television time. Did you really think it worked? No, I thought it was going to be the drizzling shits and it would never work. That's why we wasted all that television time on it. Sure, yeah, we did it because we thought it was going to suck. Well, the good news is is it must have worked because it got us to where we needed to be. So you're in Long Island. Orton defeats Rob Van Dam after sending a limo to Mick Foley's house to pick him up. And that's not how Foley likes to travel. And bring him to the arena. Foley doesn't show. Is there a fear with the creative that the crowd rejects Foley and starts to cheer Orton at all during this whole thing? You know, a little bit, but at the same time, I think that Randy was a dastardly enough heel to be able to pull it off, and Mick was a beloved enough figure to pull it off. So you had both of those working for you. You always run that risk of the audience kind of going, yeah, you know what? Screw that guy. He walked out. Fuck him. Well, it's the Royal Rumble. It's in the Northeast in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, of course, yeah. (laughs) They knew WWE. Go ahead. And the horseman. And Orton begins at number two with Benoit being number one. I love messing with you, Bruce. Orton eliminates five men before Mick Foley returns to a gigantic pop and ends up taking himself and Orton out with the cactus clothesline. Was this angle that proved to you that Orton could be the guy? It's big. Uh, definitely one of the guys, without a doubt. And it was, it just played out perfectly because. You know, Randy had so much arrogant heat oh, yeah. and continually to call continually calling out someone who doesn't come, who's a beloved figure, 
that the audience just wants so badly. Please come home, Mick. And he never does. And it's, I thought it was played out beautifully. And the crazy thing, Bruce, he's 23 years old here. I mean, my goodness, I, I, he's got to be ready. Is he ready? Emotionally mature? No. no. Okay. No, I don't think so. I, I think that, you know, regardless, and, and we talk about maturity levels, um, Randy was much more mature than most 23 year olds. However, uh, in the business, he was still very young. You know, you, you look at, man, my kids are 23 and still going to college and, and working and doing all those things. But yet there's, there was a maturity level at that age that you just don't have because you haven't experienced a whole lot. And every, every experience is a new one daily when you're 23 in a lot of respects. Yeah. I guess you really don't stop to think about 23 years old, so much being put on his shoulders as far as just having to grow up. I I didn't even know what I wanted at 23 years old, let alone the pressure of, Hey, we're going to throw a lot at you. You're going to be in front of a lot of people. You're going to be traveling a lot. Uh, we're going to expect a lot out of you. That's a lot going on. You want to be doing a podcast with me when Conrad is like out at, uh, out on one of his yachts in the Gulf of Mexico. Well, when I was 23, he's got the Gulf yacht, he's got the Atlantic yacht. He's got the Pacific yacht. He's even got one in Nova Scotia. <laughs> the Con Yadison. The... Yeah. Oh, that's money. That should be a t-shirt. Oh, right. I love it. That's good. No, 23 years old. Are you kidding me? If you told me I was going to do a show with Bruce Pritchard, let alone podcast, that wasn't even a thing back then. My goodness. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's just something to think about as a 23 year old and where he's at in his career, the push working with Mick Foley, RKO and, you know, the fabulous Mula. Uh, it's just a wild, wild ride for Randy Orton here at this point. And, uh, the evolution, all this stuff. Uh, so there's a lot going on, lot to, a lot of expectations that, the, you know, the son of, of a legend, Cowboy Bob Orton. Uh, so there's a lot going on here for Randy. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure he wasn't making all the right decisions. We know we, you know, but at the same time, he's showing that he's going to be uh, a blue, the blue chipper that he's turned out to be. So let's uh, let's talk about the build for WrestleMania 20, because it's in high gear here in Atlanta. It's March 1st. The Rock returns on Raw to help Foley from an attack by evolution. Talk about The Rock. Did he ever make mention of Randy, his thoughts of Randy when he saw or interacted with him? I think The Rock was really happy to be working with a guy like Randy because, again, it was youth. And in that, Rock was able to see where he was, you know, at that age. And I don't think Rock had it debuted at that point. And Rock could look at Randy and go, man, you know what? I've been there. I'm a third generation. So you had two third generation guys in there in the Rock and Randy Orton. So in Orton, I think the Rock saw himself and the pressure and understood the pressure that, that was put on him going, you got to live up to not only your father, you got to live up to your grandfather and can you do it? And rock was willing to help him along the way. I know that, uh, speaking of the rock, I know that your, your brother, Dr. Tom got to do some training and uh, with the rock and got his hands on, on the rock a little bit. Did he also do some training with Randy Orton and, and work with him at all? 
Yeah, Tom problem. worked with, with Randy, absolutely. And, uh, you know, not his one-on-one as much as he did with guys like Rock and Kurt Angle. But, yes, uh, Tom was able to do that. Smoky Mountain, not Smoky Mountain in Ohio Valley. And Yes. Yes. There you go. Man, such an influence. Your brother, I have so much respect for him. Love working with him. Over at Ad Free Shows, cheap plug for that. Uh, so we're at WrestleMania 20. Orton gets the uh, the big victory with the RKO in the battle between Evolution and the Rock and Sock Connection. This is Batista and Orton's WrestleMania debut, guys. And it's in Madison Square Garden. Here they are working two of the biggest stars in company history, and they get the win Orton is on his way to winning the world title at this point, right, Bruce? Well, he's definitely on his way to being one of the major stars. It's when you look at that and, you know, Rock was gone after that. Mick was a part-timer. Of course, you're going to take the two guys that you're counting on for the future in Batista and and Orton. So that was a no-brainer. Orton's next big test is a one-on-one match at Backlash between him and Mick Foley in a hardcore match. There's barbed wire, thumbtacks, all the stuff that you would anticipate with a Mick Foley hardcore match. Orton retains his title after going into the thumbtacks and hitting Foley with the RKO. And Bruce, the image of Orton going for the RKO and missing it and landing flat in the thumbtacks is just etched in all of our minds Talk about your memories of this show. Do you remember Randy coming through the curtain in the back all through the, what did he have to say? What was this like? Well, I remember it being a classic and, you know, looking at that and saying, all right, you know, Randy's not a one trick pony that just goes out and has pretty matches. Randy's able to do it all. And Randy definitely could do it all. Um, at the same time, I think Randy coming back through the curtain after was like, Forget this. <laughs> Keep the damn thumbtacks yeah. <laughs> and all that other crap, man. Um, it just doesn't belong. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that that Randy – I don't know. You know, I, I think that Randy kind of liked going out and having matches and being able to, to tell a story in that way, but at the same time really appreciated – yeah. the opportunity to go out and tell a story in a different way in the hardcore match and being able to hang. He was able to add it to his resume, but he wasn't ready to set up the next one anytime soon by any means. Yeah, no, anytime yeah. you, I couldn't even imagine. Just oh, thank you. Not my cup of tea. Yep. Well, he continues his path of embarrassing legends, uh, Bruce, when he spits in the face of Harley race and uh, and and my goodness, how the hell do you guys convince Harley Race to do this? Yep, we're gonna God have. Damn, Randy. he can't spit in Harley's face. He's like seven, eight, nine time, twelve time NWA champion. Um, you know, Harley had an awful lot of respect for Randy, and Harley had a lot of respect for Randy's old man, and vice versa. You know, Harley knew how much respect that Randy had for him, and. I think I was the one that pitched this to Harley. Um, and it, it wasn't a pitch. Hey, this is what we're going to do. This was a, hey, Harley, um, we're really looking to get Randy over. And we're looking for him to try to do something to a legend without doing something physical to Harley. Harley was in no shape to do anything physical. I think if Harley had his way, Harley would have loved to have taken an RKO. But Harley was not in shape to do that. 
And, you know, throughout this whole thing, the, the spit came up and, you know, we're not hate spitting. I think it's it's not something that is, I don't know, it's just gross and, and I don't know. Kind of hockey at him. Yeah, it's just yeah. disgusting. But Harley was completely cool with it because it was Randy. And Harley did have so much respect for Randy. And the fact that Randy had so much respect for Harley. I don't think that Randy even was, you know, big on this because it's like, ah, man, I don't want to spit in Harley Race's face. And, but at the same time, that was Harley who was like, no, kid, this is going to get you over. And the fact, you know, people are going to know I can't do anything. Um, so it, it was a hell of a, hell of a compliment to Randy Orton for where he was in his career to have somebody like Harley race do that for him in his hometown in Kansas city or Topeka, wherever the hell we were. Um, man, that's, that's hardly stomping grounds, but kudos to Harley race, man. You talk about a double tough son of a bitch, a stand up guy that, um, people have legendary tough guy stories about, uh, Harley was a businessman, and Harley was all about getting people over because that's what Harley did his entire career and had no issue whatsoever helping Randy get over. Yeah, it was in uh, Topeka, Kansas. But to your point, he got to do stuff with Mola in his 20-year career. He's gotten to work with Harley Race now. And, uh, yeah, the legend killer gimmick was fun, and we all enjoyed it. But, man, it gave him the opportunity to work with just some fantastic legends as well, things, memories that he'll never forget. So, uh, I don't know. Pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Getting any time you can talk about interaction and getting to do some angles with a guy like a legend, should I say, like Harley race. So there you go. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Save with Conrad.com can help. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number six, five, zero, eight, four equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Uh, we had mentioned earlier that he had defeated Rob Van Dam for the Intercontinental title. He would hold that title, Bruce, for 210 days, and, and he would drop it to Edge at Vengeance. This is the longest title reign in seven years uh, for the title. So in your opinion, did the belt make Orton, or did Orton make the belt? Well, I mean, I don't know what kind of belt he had, but the oh, Continental shit. Championship, I think, definitely helped elevate Randy Orton and the people going, all right, he is championship material. Yeah. <sighs> championship. Orton drops the championship because he's on his way to a world title match at SummerSlam. That's what we're getting to. He gets the championship shot by winning a battle royal on July 26th, and he's going to take on Chris Benoit for the world title. Was there any hesitation, Bruce, at putting the title on Orton? No, there wasn't. I think that Randy had momentum on his side, and Randy was able to uh, not be denied is probably the best way to put it. When you look at momentum and you look at youth and you look at what's new and what's next, I think Randy was a logical choice. Well, it happens. We're in Toronto and he would become the youngest WWE champion in company history by pinning Benoit in over 20 minutes with an RKO. And after the match, they shake hands. And it seems like the passing of the torch between the two. And the next night, Orton gets the, uh, the win in a rematch uh, and Evolution. Not happy 
that Orton is the champion when it should be Hunter turns on him and what would be a classic angle in wrestling history. Was this too soon or was this perfectly timed? What'd you think? I think in hindsight, it was too soon. I would have loved to have Randy have a run as the heel champion with evolution behind him and continuing to, to help him uh, stay champion for a while so that you build that up even more that, you know, evolution's in control with Randy as the champion. And then evolution would have the argument that we, you know, we made you champion. We kept you champion. And now it's time for you to do the right thing and let Hunter be the champion. So, um, hindsight, I wish that we would have run with it a little bit longer, uh, instead of going right into Hunter and, Randy and, and turning Randy. I think Randy still needed a little more time uh, on the heel side for people to truly accept him as babyface. Yeah, it's got to be tough. You're you're such a strong heel. The build's behind you. It took you all the way, your character and what you did to winning the title. And then in one fell swoop, the first night you're champion, boom, your turn babyface. Uh, and that's kind of how it all happened here for this for this first run here with the title. Uh, Orton did respond the next week, refuses to hand the world title over to Hunter, spits at him in his face, nails him with the title before he runs off to avoid the other members of Evolution. The babyface champion running from the heels isn't typically the recipe for a top guy to last being a top guy very long, is it? Wait a minute. You just had a guy go in against three guys, nail one, and get away from the other two. That's not running. That's being a guy that stands up and being smart. You're not going to try and stand there and fight three guys caliber of Batista, Flair, and Triple H. So, yeah, man, Randy got his shot in, got the hell out of Dodge, and then was able to live to fight another day but not fight all three of them at once. That's called being a smart champion. Okay, I'll accept that answer. Smart champion. Makes I'm sense. glad you'll accept that answer. Because <laughs> uh, the other way is stupid. Yeah. Well, well, he, baby face should stay there and get pummeled by the three ass. guys. <laughs> Who's booking this shit? The guy in California? It's unreal. <laughs> well, uh, this is a traditional. This is from all my booking and promoting experience where I've been able to have a great deal of success selling out several shows. Never! Orton would drop the title of Unforgiven to Hunter with a chair shot and pedigree onto the chair. So he goes from having this real long intercontinental title reign to losing the title on his face, first pay-per-view defense. Uh, that's quick. Uh, why now? Uh, I think that, you know, more than anything to do the same thing with Batista later on, and, and it was kind of the breaking up of evolution again i just in hindsight i think it was way too soon and i think that we could have you know gone with randy and you could have had uh either randy and triple h at wrestlemania and but again we were still looking for new um you could have done something at the royal rumble with triple h going over on randy taking randy out and then Batista step up. There were a lot of different ways to do it. Yeah. And this, this worked. Look, I'm not going to deny this worked and this was a good way. 2020 vision hindsight. I think there could have been other ways to do it. Did you guys already know at this point though, Bruce, that eventually the long-term plan for the next year would be Batista? Yes. Uh, okay. 
Yeah, we absolutely were thinking Batista um, because we were looking at kind of get dissolving that evolution. And now we were at the point where we felt these guys could stand on their own. So we have Batista. He would pin Orton, speaking of Batista, to make sure Orton is unable to attend to be one of Hunter's challengers at Taboo Tuesday. And I understand you're trying to stack the odds against Randy, but there's a couple of big losses here now back to back. Is this to just try to help create some sympathy for him now as the as the baby face? Well, again, I think it was a story of Batista and Triple H and Flair, and it's the numbers game that is beating Randy here, and you're telling a story underneath of Randy having to come from underneath. So that's the story. I I hate it when people go, oh, well, he lost four matches. He lost this. It, It doesn't matter. What matters is the story. Just keep watching, right? Exactly. Let, let it play out. Yeah, there's no patience anymore in wrestling for fans. It's like so. Get on, move on with it. Let's go. Yeah. What's that? Come on, pal. Let's go. <laughs> well, here we go. Speaking of patience, at Taboo Tuesday, Orton ends up being the main event, but it's against Flair in a steel cage match. Orton gets the win with the RKO, and afterwards, Flair and Orton would shake hands. This doesn't really end up going anywhere. But did you know what the original plan was for this? It was just just them two deciding, hey, we're going to show some mutual respect for each other. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of had to, and it was a way for Flair to, you know, almost endorse Orton in his own way. Hunter tells Orton he'll take on Flair on Raw, and if Orton wins, he'll get a title shot against him at Survivor Series. If he loses, he'll never get another shot as long as Hunter is champion and Flair wins. Do you feel like this hurt Orton at all? No, no. What do you think? I think he probably killed his career right there. He's deader than Kelsey's nuts. Flatter in a plate full of piss. It just killed him. He never, you know, he never recovered after that. By God, it just was horrible for Randy. He was left in the shitter, and he's living underneath a bridge in uh, Oklahoma. Well, we all know that didn't happen, so it didn't hurt him that bad. But they're on to the Survivor Series, and it's made up of Team Orton taking on Team Hunter. Orton has Benoit, Maven, and Jericho on his team, while Hunter has Batista, Gene Snitsky, and Edge. The stipulation is whatever team wins, each member gets to control Raw for one week. When Orton becomes GM, his big thing, he wanted a lingerie fashion show between Melina, Candice, Maria, Christy Hemme, and Stacey Keebler. I guess that's the best we could come up with for his choice. He didn't like point. that. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't like? Oh I, oh, I liked it. Are you kidding me? Oh, okay, then. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not you're welcome. Be upset. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, The main event features Benoit, Edge, and Hunter, and it's a controversial finish with Edge submitting to the Crippler crossface while he's on top of Benoit getting a pin. So the title is declared vacant and will be put up for grabs at New Year's Revolution in the Elimination Chamber match. Orton would close out the year working with Hunter on all the house shows. Talk about how Randy grew from this call up in 2002 all the way through the end of 2004, Bruce. You know, it was a actually it was an accelerated build and one in which the audience really dictated the growth and the audience dictated uh, how quickly that Randy was going to grow. So to that, I think that it was a success and that rising star rose a lot quicker than most. A lot of times you think three to four years before anybody is really over to the point that I think Randy was uh, at the end of two years. Randy came in hot, 
stayed hot. And at the end of two years, um, I, I was kind of thinking maybe he had another year, you know, another year run left in him. Maybe he found his way out from under that bridge after yeah, that one, you know, one angle hurt him. Yeah. Well, it was in Oklahoma, so it's uh, good. God. <laughs> Let's you know, get keep this- Texas from falling into the Gulf of Mexico. What's that? Oklahoma sucks. Oklahoma. Oh, sorry, Jr. Oh, uh, <laughs> we have a couple fan questions, member questions here that we want to get to before we put a bow on this one. Uh, Bruce, Michael Ravel starts with, and he says, uh, ask Bruce was putting the belt on Randy to become the youngest champ ever a reaction to Brock leaving and eliminating him of being the youngest champ ever. Well, uh, I think Randy had his own belt. He had some black ones. He had some brown ones. And I, I don't it. know the Brock wore a belt. Um, it wasn't a belt guy suspenders or jeans and just, you know, didn't, didn't need it, but the championship, uh, no, it wasn't reaction to Brock, it was that we had something there with Randy and he happened to be that young and he happened to have the talent to be able to pull it off. All right. Marcus Holland's up next. Was there any concerns early on about injuries? We talked about a few through there. It seemed like he was hurt quite a bit. Well, you know, Randy did get hurt a couple times with the concussion and then with the shoulder. So those were two issues that were quick, you know, over a two year period to only have two injuries, especially with the style that everyone was working at that time. It was grueling style and it was a grind in and of itself. So for, you know, Randy to be hurt twice. Okay. He got hurt twice. And I don't know that there was like, Oh my God, he's injury prone. Time would tell on that. Tennessee Hutch has a question. He said the scene where Orton was on top of Batista's shoulder celebrating his new world title. And then triple H gives the slow Caesar like thumbs down was so powerfully done. And has often left me wondering how big is Batista's dick? Kurt Zamora is up next. Was Randy a made man after the Foley backlash match, or did you think he was already there before that? If so, when? I think that Randy was there before the uh, match with Foley, and it, it just kind of was like if you're looking at a cake, I think the cake was was made and already frosted, but Foley was the decoration on that cake and, and made it even better. He was a cake topper. Yes. Well, he was a cake topper. Okay. Good. Or on top of the cake. <laughs> However you look at it. Belt, title belt, championship. I get it. Keith Hellebrand, he's up next. He said, who was Randy's biggest advocate besides his dad? I think all of us were pretty big advocates for Randy because he was just a natural uh, you go on down the line that there wasn't anybody that was saying, oh, my God, this kid doesn't have it. And I think everyone was of the mindset that we were looking for youth. We were looking for someone to take us into the next 10 years, into the next 20 years and hoping that this was it, hoping that Randy was the guy. So I don't know that there were any naysayers for Randy. It was more along the lines of uh, Randy's got it. And what's it going to be? 
to expand on that question, was there a guy though, you, Michael Hayes, somebody in the back that was just like, oh, I love this kid. I mean, or, you know, somebody that was really kind of over the top, like that he is our next big thing, just really kind of infatuated, just over the top with how much potential Randy Orton had. Big Randy Orton fan in the back. God, I think we all were. I mean, really and truly, I think that we okay. all were because it was, you know, it's exciting to have a third generation talent that had the talent to actually go out there and do it. Just because they're second or third generation doesn't mean, doesn't right. guarantee success. And when you have that pedigree and you also have the talent, even better. All right. Some of our ad-free show members have some questions. Enhancement talent level. Richard Smith asks, what did it mean to have Foley's stamp of approval? Did anyone else get that accolade? Well, I don't know if it was Mick Foley's stamp of approval. I, I don't know what that means, but I know that Mick enjoyed working with Randy. And I think that Mick went out of his way to truly make Randy as much as he possibly could. So in the matches that Mick had with Randy, Mick did everything he could to take Randy to the next level. It was up to Randy to take that step and go to the next level. So uh, great opportunity for Randy. And, you know, Randy took it. it it's when I, I'm of the mindset. So I, when people talk about, oh, well, you know, I made this guy, I made that guy. If the talent doesn't have it themselves to step up, and do it, then you can have the greatest guys to make people in the world. If the talent being made doesn't have the ability to do it, uh, then it's not going to work. So, you know, to that, it's like Steve Austin. And, oh, Vince Russo was, I made him, I did this. No, Steve Austin made Steve Austin. Undertaker made Undertaker. You know, Mick Foley made Mankind. Uh, Paul Lamech made Triple H. Those guys had the talent to make those characters come to life. So Randy had the talent. Randy did it. At freeshows.com, top guy Brad Stanton asks, was there a time when you thought you moved too fast with Randy? I think that the only time in this early years was after Randy won the championship. I thought it was way too fast to take it off of him right away. I thought that we should have just kept the championship on Randy for a little while longer to make it mean more. Bruce, final question this week. Adfreeshows.com slapnut Justin Mouton asks, Randy Orton is one of my favorites of all time. Is he in, is he in your top five? Actually, Randy is in my top five as far as one of the absolute best to ever lace up a pair of boots and be in the ring. And, you know, said it obviously before I ever came back. I thought, think that Randy Orton was absolutely has turned into one of the greatest of all times. Well, Bruce, thank you so much. What a tremendous look back at Randy Orton from. 04 and uh, 02 to 04 and his start of his career here in the WWF slash WWE, his early days on what a career he's gone on to have. As we said, just recently, his big 20 year anniversary with the company. And you could just see the amount of respect uh, from not only his peers, but those members of, of the group like you and, and Vince and others. Um, it's just been a fun time to kind of go back and explore this. Next week, Bruce, or maybe we should say the next time you and Connie are together, 
You'll be discussing all things Hercules, from Slick and the Heenan family to power and glory with Paul Roma, to taking a powerbomb from Sid in Madison Square Garden and literally just getting up and walking out of the ring. Are you looking forward to talking about Hercules Hernandez? Hercules! Hercules! Uh, well, you know, one of the things that uh, definitely would like to address is not just Hercules' time in WWE. Well, you got to go back to Herc's just origins in, in the business and coming in and being Mr. Wrestling number three in Mid South and yes. uh, Chic Hercules and things of that nature in Mid South and Jim Cornette's bodyguard. Uh, that's when I first uh, knew Herc and. Absolutely, we, we lost one of the sweetest, most genuine human beings on the face of the earth when we lost uh, Ray Fernandez. Uh, just a great, great guy and a wonderful human being. And we'll we'll tell the story about how to get heat at the airport in Boston. Oh, I'll be looking forward to that one. Bruce, thank you so much for taking time. I know we got up super early to do this today. And uh I think the frog has exited the throat a little bit. So I appreciate your time. And uh, this was good, man. Frog's hopping down that road. It is. See that? On, be- <laughs> on behalf of Bruce Pritchard, this is Paul Bromwell. This has been Who? something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. We'll see you next week. What happened to Conrad? John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.